Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I have skater, surfer, and the founder of the Reconnect movement, Sean Killingsworth, here with us today. Welcome, Sean. Hi. It's so cool that you're here. You are my youngest guest. I also interviewed one time an author duo. It was a son and a father, and he was in his teen years too. So we've had you and him as young guests on the podcast. And I'm so thrilled to talk with you about what you're doing with the Reconnect movement and just your thoughts on screens and kids. So can you give us just a little introduction, who you are, where are you? And then we can dive a little bit more into the Reconnect movement. Yeah, of course. So I'm Sean Killingsworth. I am born and raised Orlando, Florida. I grew up as a very outside kid, actually. Uh, my mom was super uh, like on us playing outside, and we got 30 minutes of screen time a week. And we had to do a super long list of chores to unlock that 30 minutes. She refused to ever get us any handheld gaming devices, anything like that. I grew up loving the outdoors. I grew, I'm an Eagle Scout, so I grew up camping a lot with my Boy Scout troop. I currently go to college at Valencia in Orlando. I spend a lot of time on the Reconnect movement. Is that where you're at right now? Like, are you in a dorm room? Uh, no, I'm in an apartment. I live with my brother and another friend that goes to college here. Oh, it's so cool. So we connected just through podcasting just a week or two ago. And you said something in our conversation that struck me so deeply and I wanted to know more. And so I'm so excited to talk with you today about all sorts of different things relating to screens, but we're in different generations. And mm -hmm. they say that my generation was the last to have an analog childhood. And you had a little bit of one, mm -hmm. but this is a really big difference. And one of the things that you said in our conversation together for your podcast, which is called the Reconnect Podcast, mm -hmm. was you said a lot of people your age have really strong thoughts on how they will parent with screens. And I just was so intrigued by that. I wanted to know more. So can we start there? What are your thoughts as growing up? without the analog childhood and i know you had parts of it but like mm -hmm. you're surrounded by kids who didn't yeah what are college students and those who are you know maybe a few years out from being parents what is the consensus or the thought on how you will deal with screens as a parent so it's an interesting thing because i think in you guys's generation it's kind of obvious or it's kind of a general understanding like you know what i'm like so thankful that i grew up before screens before social media or stuff like that like it's kind of just innately kind of felt um by you guys and i think in our generation growing up through it all we kind of even though it might not be like a direct awareness of how it's affected us we just have an understanding we're like yeah this stuff has kind of messed us up it's kind of messed up some of the aspects of our childhood and specifically social media and just screen time in general, because we live our lives not fully in charge of our time always. We're not always just choosing what we want to do, you know, like sometimes we just get trapped in an addictive hole of like entertainment or, you know, socializing, fake socializing on social media. And even just that aspect of like, you know, having time constantly wasted for us that we could be like, you know, out being a kid or doing something else. And then also the comparison on social media in the, like formative times, like middle school and, and high school. I think our generation, we've just like experienced that. And in the back of our minds, 
we just feel the negative effects and know that they're there. So I think that I've had conversations with other college students my age and they've said like, there's no way I'm giving my kid a phone till like they're older. Like I just like, you know, I've been through that. I'm not doing that. So I think that the pendulum is kind of going to swing because we were the test dummy generation. You know, we were the first ones to just be handed these apps, no restrictions, no anything, you know, super addictive. And we felt that. And I think that we're going to be very cautious about how we go about it. And I think that organizations like 1000 Hours Outside and the Reconnect Movement are going to be utilized by our generation because we get that we need things in place for protecting childhood like a thousand hours outside and protecting socializing in college and high school like the reconnect movement Mm -hmm. it stopped me in my tracks when you said my friends have strong thoughts on how they'll deal with technology and their own kids my friend and midwife her name is beth she has two sons that are right around your age they're in their early 20s and She said to me at one point, I thought this was so interesting. She said, someday our kids are going to ask us, why? Why didn't you have more limits? Why didn't you protect my childhood? Why did you give me that? And you are coming out and sharing to the world, like, what is it really like? And it's really an interesting thing, Sean, to see you try and put yourself in the shoes of a previous generation And I think what you're allowing us to do is to put ourselves in the shoes of your generation. What is it like? And so let's talk about a couple of those things because I think it's really important. One of the things that you talk about is that from a young age, you are loving to play outside. This is a natural inclination of kids. You want to run around and you had a really hard time finding playmates because they're stuck on screens. Can you talk about what that was like? Yeah. So it, it worsened gradually as I got older. But my first experience with it was uh, the handheld gaming device, the Nintendo DS. It's like a mini Game Boy, basically. Yeah. Um, Those were super popular when I was a young kid. And I used to beg my mom for one, beg, like, uh, like, because I had so many kids were playing with them. But she said, no, it's going to turn you, like, you're going to be a zombie. Like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, you know, later I thanked her, of course, like you said. Mm -hmm. But my first experience was I went to an after school program with other homeschool kids during the day. And they all had DSs, literally every single kid. They were because Pokemon was super popular uh, at the time. And so every kid had DS and Pokemon. Like that was what everyone was doing. And I didn't have one. Like my mom didn't get me one. So I was like in this school program, you know, there's Legos everywhere. There's toys everywhere. There's games to play. And every kid, all they wanted to do was play DS. And it was like these you know, I think it was like high schoolers and like a few older, um, like teachers or uh, administrators watching us. And they were just kind of like, probably like, whatever, easy job for us. You know, we don't have to watch Mm -hmm. any kids, you know, where they basically just all sit in a room and just like play on a game. It's like, makes it easy for them. So I was literally just like my experience, which could have been like making friends and running around outside and like playing games and all this stuff, interacting with other kids. It was just like, I just had to like look over the shoulder at some game I didn't understand for the entire hours I was there every time, you know, that was my first experience with that. So that's kind of the idea, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. so these things are here, you know, if a kid has a fully equipped personal screen with all this entertainment for them, they're not going to just put it down. It has to be facilitated. And the result of them being present, the result of them being there is that 
they're not going to play. They're going to use the screen. Same way with older kids. So as I grew up, instead of Pokemon on a Game Boy distracting us from interacting, it was social media and Snapchat on a smartphone in high school. So instead of walking around and being in class and talking or even passing notes or, you know, stuff like that, like kids would try to go on their phone secretly in class rather than like talk to each other secretly in class or at the end of class, when everybody's getting ready to leave, instead of like giant conversation erupting, like I'm sure you were used to, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as the teacher lets the reins out, everyone starts talking and gets like, everyone would just go on their phone and it would be silent at the end of the class. Wow, so really the thing that I felt so deeply in high school that led me to need to start something like this was not necessarily the fact it was it was on top of the fact that i personally was addicted to my phone and to social media and all this stuff and it it gave me terrible feelings of like withdrawal and addiction so on top of that it was the fact that i would go into school and the social life that i was supposed to have the social life that i felt excited for going into high school watching like 16 candles or like stranger things you know i was like i'm going to make friends i'm going to go on dates this is going to be awesome i'm going to go to parties you know going to be flyers in this hallways for parties and stuff like that. And it was like, I couldn't even like talk to people because they were already occupied with their phone or already occupied with the friends that they had on their phone. Mm -hmm. So it was really the social environment that was impacted by the phones distracting us from in-person interaction and basically outdating it and making in-person interaction a thing of the past in my generation. And um, it really hurt. Well, you don't ever get that back. You don't ever get that back. And you don't get a chance to redo it. And you don't get to retry high school or retry the after school club. I had an experience as a parent, John, when our oldest daughter was in fourth grade. So that's a you know similar age, 10-ish maybe she was. And she played on an after school basketball league, a rec league. And we went in early one time for one of her games because it was for pictures. They had team pictures. And then there was this period of time in between where they had to wait for their game to start. Maybe it was 40 minutes or something. And similar to your story, Sean, she was the only one without a phone. And I could get teared up just thinking about it. I cried. But I watch from the side as she's with this group of eight or nine girls. And every single one of them was on their phone and she didn't have one you could just see how out of place she felt when the other girls were making like literally they were making like TikTok videos as fourth graders and you could see they were pulling up the dances and we just hadn't done that i don't think my daughter even knew what TikTok was and she was so out of place and i grappled with it for a really long time like even still because it's like well what's the answer to that and i think by you sharing your story sean i think it helps give parents a resolve to not give their kids those things, if only for the sake of the other kids, or at least a few of the other kids. Like what if there was at least two other eight-year-olds in your after-school program that could have played with you? If just one or two other parents would have been like your mom and said, nope, we're not doing that, then you would have had playmates. And I think your sentiment about being excited is such an important one for adults to hear. Like kids are so excited about these things And what a massive disappointment, Sean, to hit these different stages and for it to be nothing Mm -hmm. or it to be even like less than nothing. What you sit there and look at a screen over someone's shoulder. What an unfulfilling life. Yeah. Well, I think 
that is a powerful message to show parents because I think parents have a lot of power here to help make this change because there was a point where for one of the days, this other kid came and he didn't, he also didn't have a, a DS and it was even just that it almost binded us more because we were the ones like we were instantly best friends for that day because we were the ones actually playing. So we like traded our Legos and we like played with the, we were the, we had a bunch of toys and it was just us. So I think that it is really powerful because a lot of parents, I think, get stuck in the trap of, and this is one of the hard things and why it's a tough problem to crack because you can't solve it with just the individual because it has to be a social environment has to be created for people to interact. So I personally ran into that wall when I got a flip phone in high school, trying to like, you know, have a more eighties, you know, like a high school experience or something like that, you know, as close as I could get to a no phone experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I ran into was that it didn't matter if I got rid of my phone because everybody else was still sucked in their phone. And I just fell in the same problem, you know, that, that your daughter was in and that I was in, in, in uh, elementary school. So the problem is the environment. And so parents get into this place where they're like, well, I could either not give my kid this phone because I want them to play outside. I want them to interact and I want them to have an analog childhood. But then they're going to run into the fact that your daughter was stuck in, which there's nine other eight-year-olds that are all completely distracted. Now your, your daughter is actually more isolated. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have an opportunity to encourage parents to do something, not just take away their kid's phone, but what they could really do to genuinely make a difference and make it sustainable for kids. Because my experience, I was just became more alone when I didn't have a phone. Yeah. To make it more sustainable, get with a few parents in your kid's class mm -hmm. and maybe like the friends that your kid already has and try to encourage their parents to push past their kids begging them for a phone and choose to not give them a phone. Mm -hmm. Because if you can create a little mini community of no phone kids, that gives them a chance to survive and have that analog childhood in the, the social wasteland created by phones. I love that, John. And I love that, like you said earlier, and then maybe they have stronger bonds because of that. Exactly. You know, I think as a parent, maybe you think like, well, that's a waste. What if there's only three other kids or what if there's only four other kids? But your experience shows like, no, they could have some really deep bonds. What would you say to the teachers or the people that were in charge of the after school club? Like to me, so I taught in the high school and I quit in 2008. So that's right before the iPhone. So I actually didn't see that adoption. But Sean, when I was in my last year, the BlackBerry phones were coming out. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even sure if you're old enough to know what those were, but they had like a little stylus. And it was starting to be a little bit of an issue where the kids were cheating on tests. So they were taking pictures of their tests, like their final exam and texting it to the other kids who maybe were going to have that final exam the next day. They were putting it in their shirts, the phones and like trying to hide it. But now what it seems like is that phones are allowed and they're everywhere. Like you hear stories about, and this is the thing, like if you haven't lived it, you only hear stories you can only try and imagine. Like the cafeteria is quiet and people are on their phones and that type of thing. I mean, this is the time where we're supposed to learn social skills and grow. It's like, what are the schools doing? What should they be doing, Sean? Like, why do they allow the phones? Yeah, so, well, it's really, it's, it's a tough issue to tackle because we use it for so many things. And I think like you're saying, like you guys only hear stories, you know, you haven't lived it and experienced it. So like people don't know how serious of an issue this is. Like if it was up to me, 
no high school or middle school would have a phone access at all. Like there would be no, no phone. Cause it's, you're right. It is so important. You're supposed to socialize and forget about focusing on schoolwork. Like having your phone is so distracting for academics. So there's this company that I've worked with a little bit called Yonder and they work in middle schools, high schools, comedy shows and concerts. They have these little phone pouches. They have a little magnetic lock. They're like a phone sized pouch. You slip your phone in, you like click it close and you can't open it until it's tapped against like a big, a huge magnet. So you get to hold on to your phone, but you just turn it off and put it in. You can't access it. And uh, they have middle schools and high schools where every single kid who walks in the door, puts their phone in a pouch, and then it opens it after eight hours at the end of the day. And of course, you're going to run into kids that, you know, sneak a phone in or break the pouch or whatever, you know, that's always going to happen. But on a grand scale, that's pretty much the only way now that you can, because parents would freak out if they're like, oh, I, I can't, my, friend, my kid can't take their phone to school. Like I need to text them to get in touch with them to pick them up. When really, you know, we did this plenty, you know, we survived before, yes. you guys survived yes. before, but still like, that's pretty much the way to do it is that you, you just like take away the access for the entire day because that can rebuild that social environment where, okay, now no kid has it. Now it's safe to talk and stuff like that because I'm not the only one. So I, I yeah. think that should be implemented in all, all high schools. I mean, this might be one of the most important messages of our time of our time as humans is that kids should not have access to their smartphones during the school day. And I like the idea of the pouch. I think that what's interesting, Sean, is that there are answers out there, but your point is a good one. It's the parents that are pushing back. And I think once again, that's why your story is so powerful. You say you have experienced the isolation that these devices create. And I think if parents would come and say, and administrators would probably say the same thing, well, you know, some kids are still going to sneak it. But to your point, look, like even if half the kids snuck their phone, snuck a different phone or something like that, but half the kids didn't have something, then at least still you're creating that environment. And I would imagine, Sean, that there's a little bit of a tipping point there. Yeah. Like if you have a group of eight-year-old boys that are playing Nintendo DS, but then hmm, four or five of them don't have it and they're playing Legos. And then you're starting to build and you're starting to laugh. It's like that starts to create that pull of like, hey, hey, there's something else going on over there and I want to be a part of that. And so that's, that is in a little bit of a nutshell what you've done with the Reconnect movement for college students. So let's transition and talk about that. Tell us what you're doing on college campuses for college students with the Reconnect movement. Absolutely. So I have started a few clubs. They're essentially like through the school organizations on the school campus. And the message and what we do is just hang out and have like social gatherings, like uh, socials. Like we we're doing a platonic speed dating event later this month, like just to make friends. And we just recently had an orientation where I told everybody my story and they really responded. They were like, yeah, we live in this social wasteland, you know, so basically, my goal is to create that tipping point, 100%, and not do it through taking away kids' phones forcibly, like for the high school thing, but rather have college students coming into college that want to make friends choose to make their friends off of smartphones. So we essentially need to have a certain amount of people that want to hang out without their phone and talk and like make friends and have conversations but like by choice. 
and then like have that be a normal thing because what happens when you take your your you know you have phones in a group of 10 people all hanging out and trying to like socialize and have fun is that you'll lose two to three people at a time at any given time so two to three people will be on their phone during the whole thing and you know, you might be able to look at that and just be like, well, what's the big deal? Like a lot of people in my generation now have just fully accepted the fact that people go on their phones when we're all hanging out all the time. And it's just a normal thing. But I've always seen that as like, we're losing like a 35% yes. of the energy in the room. Yes. We're losing like jokes that could have been made or come, you know, this person wasn't listening to the conversation might've contributed a story that could have connected the whole group, you know, in a way that we, we didn't experience. And so when we create a reconnect club meeting, everyone is 100% there and present and no one has their phone and everyone is talking and looking at the people they're with. And one thing, they're not focusing on another thing that's going on somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So another thing that'll happen to take people out of the present moment of where they are is like Snapchat has stories for everybody to post what they're doing. So someone will be hanging out with a big group of people and then go on their phone, look at someone else's Snapchat story of someone else hanging out with other people. And they'll be like, man, that looks way more fun than what I'm doing. And then they'll just totally negate all the people they're with in the moment that they have the opportunity of experiencing. And it's all fake. Normally their video, their hanging out is just as lame as yours, you know, or they're just the same, (laughs) just as fun. So um, the reconnect is an opportunity for kids to have this social environment where they don't have to worry about comparing what they're doing to other people. They don't have to worry about a notification taking them away from the people they're with. And they don't have to worry about losing half the energy in the room while they're trying to hang out and meet people Mm. because this is like the last string of hope because these environments stop existing the second we get out of high school. The only opportunity we might have is like, maybe we go to a summer camp, you know, over the summer and they all take your phones or we go to high school and they take your, you know, they put your phone in a yonder pouch. But once you get to college, you're in charge of your own life. Now you choose where you go. No one can really tell you what to do. You're becoming an adult. And so these kids still need and want an opportunity to be able to hang out with no phones and and have that freedom. But now they have to choose it. So the the goal is to basically be here and offer them a space to choose to give up their phone. And I think there's real power in that because it's not, they, it shows that they see the problem and they're willing to be the first leaders to create that tipping point of like, you know, right now, basically everybody in my generation is like obsessed with Snapchat, obsessed with social media. And it's it's slowly tipping people like this sucks. Like we didn't we don't enjoy this. You know this isn't good for us. Like we can feel it. And so there's a few leaders that come out to our events, and you can tell they're like, you know what? Like I can't talk to people. You know, like I want to I want to meet people in person. I don't like texting. I don't like this. And so I think there is going to be a tipping point once they see how much fun you can have when you're in the present moment, actually having conversations, not distracted by your personal device. That's really powerful, Sean. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy, is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. 
With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I think what's interesting, you said like, you know, you lose people two to three at a time, but I have found for myself, like when I'm with other people and and I'm sure I've done this to other people as well. If I get on my phone or if someone else gets on their phone, it just triggers your mind to think, oh, like I should be checking because there's always things to check. So when you talk about you lose two to three people at a time, you also can lose the whole group, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting pulled out because you see someone else on their phone and you think, well, I should check my things or what if something has posted that I need to see or maybe someone sent me an email for work or whatever it is. And so just that presence of the phone, Simon Sinek had this really cool video where he was up on a stage and he was engaging like how you and I are, right? Just mm-hmm. Two people, they're sitting up on a stage, they're sitting in these chairs, they're talking back and forth. And then all of a sudden he just pulled his phone out and he, he didn't look at it. He just held it in his hand. And it was so incredible how the whole thing changed just by having it there and present. Wow. It was a really powerful demonstration that everyone in the audience can see, or if you're watching the video, you can see that whole shift. Wow. So just by having the phone there is a distraction for everyone, not just the people that are holding it or the people that are looking at it. There's also this piece, Sean, that I didn't grow up with, but this piece that you could always be recorded or you could always be photographed. I I can't imagine. I mean, I had like, you know, the bangs and the ugly clothes and the whole thing. It's like, what's that like? Yeah, we, we really just can't catch a break, can we? Um, it's uh, Generation's got a lot going on. So um, growing up, um, it was kind of, you know, the thing that got me the most was I can't do the ridiculous stuff that I want to do. Like what, even whether it's like ding dong ditching, you know, in a neighborhood, which is like, you know, like a thing that probably a lot of younger boys have the urge to do, but I would be afraid of like a ring doorbell, you know, like I, I can't, I can't ding dong ditch that. Or, or there's, you know, wait, wait, what is ding dong ditching is like ringing the doorbell and running and running away. Yeah hilarious classic just something like that like there's a camera on the ring door but really in school it's um 
having everybody not just have a camera, but like Snapchat is uh, is the most popular for communicating for sure. So everybody always has a camera out or is literally could be videoing. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation and then had a camera stuck in your face. You have two options. You either are just like, get it away or you like try to perform and do something. Mm. It just takes away all the authenticity and all the genuineness that you could be. Cause first of all, you're an insecure high schooler or even worse, you're insecure middle schooler. Mm. So you, you literally either have to do like dance monkey dance, which is what it turns into when they're like filming you. Cause if they, and then you have to put on a face or a character and be like, look at me. Or let's say you fail, you bomb, Mm -hmm. your joke isn't funny. And now you look like an idiot. Because you went, oh, you tried to do the dancing thing and then you were put on the spot and you did it. And now hundreds, literally hundreds of all of the kids at your high school will see that video. And that's just it. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. I wish that never happened. (laughs) You know, I think another thing is the FOMO that's created by it. So that's, Mm -hmm. I think, one of the deeper effects that constant videos and photos it has is now you scroll through all your friends' Snapchat stories and you're scrolling through what everybody else is, you know, doing that's really fun. They might be at a party, you know, and everybody looks like they're having so much fun and there's like, you know, all, like whatever, everyone's dancing or they they went to the springs, or they went to the beach and then you see who they were with and you're like, why didn't they text me? Why didn't they call me to hang out? Why why did they go? They just left without me or what stuff? So there's that. And that's really what's what's been most defeating for me. And then the other... Funny. The thing that is just so lame about it is that it's always, almost always fake. So I've been at parties where it's like I walk into the party and it's supposed to be a party, right? Where you're like, mm-hmm. I literally walk in and it's like a group over here, like quietly talking in the corner. And then there's like, it's like open space in the middle of the floor. It's probably supposed to be dancing. And then there's like Mm -hmm. music playing and everybody's just kind of like, no one's really talking. And then if I try to, and I'll go up to a group of people and they'll be like, what's like, uh, what's up? You know, they'll be like, we're, it's just, there's no, they're already rejecting you and not wanting to talk to you before you even go try to talk to them. It's like, we're at a party. We're not supposed to talk. Mm -hmm. But then, then this will be this totally disconnected, lame party. And then someone will go and they'll see a flash of a video is on. And then everybody will be like, oh, let's go. Like we're having so much fun. You know, like as soon as a video turns on, because they know that everybody's going to be watching them. It basically just like takes out all the authenticity. So instead of actually having fun, in order to survive in this social wasteland environment, you have to pretend to have fun. And then in actual like normal life, if you just are genuine and having fun, you get caught on a video and you look dumb when you're on a video, when you're being yourself and being normal in person, you know, what's actually making people laugh Mm -hmm. in person and what's, what's having fun and being yourself and like, you know, being genuine, it can be really misconstrued on a video and you could look foolish. And so you just give up being genuine and fun and yourself altogether. And then you fake it when, when you need to for the video, essentially. This is so much to grapple with. You said in a video I watched, you were on stage, you said something about like, people can't really imagine how bad kids feel because there's no win here. It's a situation where you're totally isolated if you don't have the device. And that's what you were talking about when you're at the club or with my daughter. If you don't have the device, you're totally isolated. That's starting at younger and younger ages. I mean, you experienced that as an early elementary student that age, but then you're 
totally isolated with the device too. And so there's really not a good solution here. And I think it's such a cry for parents and adults to step in to do what you're doing on college, but to do it for their kids. I love the mini community of no phone kids because we have to do this. I mean, this is awful. This is an awful way to grow up. You talked about challenging people to remember their favorite memories as a teenager. So like if I were to think back and think about my favorite memories as a teenager, and your point is that those don't exist anymore? Essentially, yes. I mean, imagine, imagine all the time you got to have fun with your friends and you were just carefree. You're just driving in the car with all your best friends and you know you guys are driving around to the mall or just for fun. And now imagine there's a little window through a phone, through a video to your entire high school, your entire high school could watch you do a little funny dance for your best friends. How are you going to be yourself? How are you going to have fun? How are you going to make fun memories? How are you going to do anything when you know everyone at your high school, entire high school is going to judge you through a phone? You can't have those memories that you have from when you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's a crazy example to have Simon Sinek have the phone in his hand even and Mm -hmm. totally change the dynamic of of socializing because I did this when I first got a flip phone and I talked about this in, in the talk. When I first got a flip phone, I started noticing I started noticing truly how many kids were actively on their phone throughout the day, throughout at school. And not just that, if they weren't on their phone actively, almost all of them had their phone in their hand. So like everywhere I go, they have their phone in their hand. So to paint the full picture of the, the, just basically the brick wall that this generation has to run into is, so we have the in-person social environment that we have to look out to is everybody already has their friends on their phone when they're walking around college campus. Everyone already has their phone. Not only that, but they're probably actively distracted on their phone while you're walking around. I'm talking about physical space. Let's say you're walking through the library, you know, or walking through the student union. Mm -hmm. So they're either actively on their phone preoccupied. So you can't talk to them. And if not, they already have their friends on their phone, so they don't need to talk to you in person. They get their socializing through their phone, so they don't need to actually talk to you. So if you're going to try to talk to people and make friends in person, you're you're going up against people who are literally you can't talk to because they're preoccupied or they don't want to talk to you because they're probably socially anxious because they're not used to people coming up and talking to them. So so in person is basically just a wasteland. You, you, you walk around, I've tried to talk to people and you're just you're basically already rejected before you even say anything. They're waiting for you to stop talking to them as soon as you start talking to them. And then let's say you got rid of your phone because you're like, I can't deal with the addiction. I can't deal with all the comparison. I'm having anxiety, depression. I hate the way I look because I'm looking at influencers and everyone, you know, has this perfect life. You know, I have to delete it. Then you're stuck with this wasteland of in-person interaction. So then, you know, imagine a kid that doesn't have the awareness that I have, that doesn't know what is going on with all of the, it doesn't realize what's happening with this wasteland. They're just like basically stuck in this purgatory of like 
And then, okay, so let's say they they run into all those brick walls because they're searching for authentic and genuine connection. They're just they mm-hmm. they just they want to. So they run into all the walls of I can't talk to people in person. And if I got rid of my phone, now I can't meet any friends or meet up with my friends because everybody's talking in group chats. Then they're like, okay, I have to just download Snapchat because I have to have friends. I have to some I have to mm-hmm. talk to people. Then you're dealing with Snapchat, which is there's all these things. So uh, let me start from zero because there's a lot of things that like my generation just kind of like understand off the bat. So mm-hmm. Snapchat, you take selfies of yourself and you put text over it and and text people. Mm-hmm. So there's all these rules about how you're supposed to use Snapchat or else you're weird or else you're thirsty. So if you send a picture to someone and they don't respond and you are like, oh, well, I, don't, I want I want to tell them another thing. If you send them a second Snapchat, that's like social suicide wow. is texting two in a row is uh, you're, you're like weird. You're that. And all you're trying to do is talk to someone. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to have a conversation and it's, it's transmit information to connect with someone. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you do one wrong thing and you're ostracized from now you're weird. And you, this person doesn't want to talk mm-hmm. to you. So that's the other option that you have. If you actually want to try to talk to people wow. is this like totally. And, and not only that, but the, the conversations that you will have on Snapchat are so disconnected because you'll send one, they'll respond three hours later. You're like, I don't even remember what I said. The message disappeared. Mm. You know, it's like so disconnected. And on top of that, in order, this is the third aspect, the middleman of the tech company that is trying to addict you while you're having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to just talk to your freaking friends because you have no way to talk to people in person. And, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you're trying to talk to people through this like anxiety filled, you know, like landmine filled social environment. And then on top of that, you're getting addicted through your dopamine center in your brain of scrolling through your friends and scrolling through your friends gives you FOMO because it looks like all your friends are hanging out with people when really they're all stuck in the same wasteland as you are completely disconnected from everybody. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's basically where the Pachaka shot came from was this cry for help of like, I don't even know what to do. Yeah. I did everything I could do. I, I did what the adults told me to do. I got off my phone. I got a flip phone. Mm-hmm. So that's really where Reconnect comes from. Yeah. I decided that I needed to create a place for someone like me. If they're like, I'm stuck in between these two brick walls. I don't know what to do. And then if Reconnect could be this third option mm-hmm. of where, all right, here's a little oasis in the wasteland of connection yeah. where you can come here you know, once a week and you can talk to people and have conversations and actually come together with all people who have all kids in the generation who see the problem and want to talk. Mm -hmm. And so that's my goal is to, is to bring together all the people who are like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I want to talk. And then we'll be able to Mm -hmm. hopefully replant something that's worth, that's worth it. You know, it's worth, worth living for. I love that you use the phrase digitally clean space. Yeah. Like that makes a lot of sense. Do you find then Sean that, those relationships, you build those relationships, you go to one reconnect event, you make a couple friends, and then outside of that one event, you could get together and sit and talk at a picnic bench, or you could get together in other capacities, you could go skateboarding together or surfboarding together. Are you seeing that type of thing? Surfboarding, that's probably not even a word, surfing, Surfing. you could go surfing together. Uh, So are you seeing that kind of thing happen? So I recently, it, it's, it's super new on college campuses. Actually, I was doing it. I've been doing it for about three, four years now. And um, I started in high school and everybody yeah, was kind of hanging out, but in college campuses, I just came up with this new thing that we do at the end of our events where I call it like out of the blue exchange. 
So um, right now, everybody, you know, interacts through Snapchat and texting. Like those are the main ways that people communicate. And phone calls are like a big no-no. Like if if you receive a phone call, you're like, oh, hang that up. I can't, I don't want to talk on the phone. You know, it's like all the social anxiety surrounding it. So I challenge all the people that come and connect at the meetings. So I give everybody their phones back and I unlock their pouches and I say, all right, it's time for the out of the blue exchange. So everybody is allowed to find someone they connected with at the event and get their phone number, but they're only allowed to contact each other through a phone call out of the blue. There's no texting, no Snapchat. You have to call each other and talk. So that way it it kind of helps because the second you step out of the reconnect event, you're back in the wasteland, you know? So it's kind of like a way to keep those people connected and translate it into their everyday lives. And I also encouraged all of the people at my most recent event. I had my first event uh, recently at UCF where I introduced the concept and everybody was like super receptive. So I told them we have the opportunity to be leaders in our generation. We can be the people who aren't, you know, we we tackle our social anxiety and we can hold conversations. We're not afraid to answer and give a phone call. We're we're not afraid to joke around with someone we don't know and try to make a friend, you know? So we have the opportunity to show other people that it's okay to interact in person authentically. Because what I've discovered is when I choose to invite someone into authentic interaction, they always join in and see that it's better than hiding behind a screen. Mm -hmm. Wow, Sean. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why 
I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. So this is an audience of a lot of parents, mm-hmm. not all parents, but a lot of parents. And you have a really powerful message that needs to be heard. It needs to be heard by the parents, like today's parents. So you may be a decade plus out from having an eight-year-old that is in the same situation that you were in with the Nintendo DS. Right. There are parents right now who are sending their kids back to school who have six, seven, eight-year-olds, who have teenagers, who are trying to navigate this world of kids and social media and phones. And we're not doing a good job, Sean. Mm-hmm. We're not. When you say you go to the high school and like every other kid is on their phone. So what would you say? I mean, there's a lot of parents listening right now. What would you say to the parents? What should they do? What should the teachers do to help their kids thrive during this age that we're living in? I would first of all say that this is one of the most serious things you could do for your kids at this time in their life. So, of course, you know, a lot goes into parenting. I can't understand that. But we're talking about their opportunity for socializing. Like it's hard for a lot of people in another generation to understand, but we're talking like literally socializing period is at stake for your kid. So I would say for an elementary school, middle school student, I would say go to your first of your immediate friends in your kid's class, you know, like the parents that you already know or the kids' friends that you already know, and just like talk to them about this. Be like, hey, I heard this, that like, we can't even understand like how much phones affect our kids and like the entire way they can socialize. So they need friends that don't have their phones so that they can have friends because phones are such a big barrier, such a divider between kids being able to interact. So, and you know, I'm sure there's so many passionate parents out there that would love to have the opportunity to have their kids be able to not have a phone and not isolate their kid, you know? So I would say be a leader in your family community, in your parent community. And then I would say, go to the teachers And then the teachers can kind of help facilitate a phone-free environment, you know, help those kids have things to do or even try to get the whole classroom off of their phones for certain times. And then I would say, go to the school board, bring this up, use my Pachakasha. And maybe Jenny, you you can uh, link it, but essentially I talk about the social wasteland and isolated environment that's created by just phones being present. Not even like, you know, kids, all the kids are addicted or anything. It's just the phones being there. Just like Simon Sinek showed on stage with just having a phone in your hand. So go to the school board and try to create phone-free spaces for your kids because it has to be everyone is off their phone to, to like really have socializing start to be replanted. And then I would say as you get out of elementary school and middle school and you get to high school, it's, it gets more difficult because you're in that in-between of elementary school, middle school, where you completely control them to, you know, not completely, but like, you know, you have a lot more leeway and then college, which is just like, you know, off to the races. So that they, the students are kind of going to be like, I'm not going to get off my phone, you know, come on. But 
the fact that I take my word for it, they are feeling the pain of this in their life all the time. They feel the social media pain. It is a common thing among our generation. We can all talk about it. I referenced the social wasteland to these college kids and they were just like, they just picked it up immediately. They were just like, yeah, the social wasteland. You know, they never heard that before, but they were like, I experienced the social wasteland. So I would say take that and just maybe, I know everyone's relationship is different, but just connect with your kid on it. And I think that in high school, I think the biggest thing that you could do is just not assume that you know how phones are affecting it, you know, like, you know, because I'm really sorry, but there's no way you can really know what it feels like and the effects that it has because your experience in high school, you had a social, socializing was built in for you. So it's like, you can't imagine that being gone and it's literally gone, like fully gone. And so maybe just ask your kids some questions. Hey, like, I saw this thing, this guy and reference me. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm their age and they'll be like, okay, this guy actually knows what he's talking about and just connect with them on their phone and be like, is there anything I can do to help maybe? And then also just provide the one knowledge of like, I heard that it's helpful if you get a whole group together without their phone and maybe they'll be like, ah, whatever, that's crazy. But still like, they'll be thinking about that mm-hmm. because I know that they know how much phones affect. So just plant the seed of like, Hey, what if uh, you and all your friends hung out without your phones? Like all of you guys, you know, or something like that. Like, don't tell them, don't like, you know, think that, you know, just like plant the idea of that. And I think that that might be able to plant a seed in their head to, Mm -hmm. to go about that themselves. Mm -hmm. I think what I really get out of this conversation and what you're doing is that we need a lot more bold leaders, Yes, whether that's a parent, a teacher, an administrator, a pastor, a 20-year-old who's leading this reconnect movement, a high school student who says, hey, when we come to my house, or even the mom, when people come over, I could see as a parent, look, like, let me be the bad guy. Hey, when people come in, you put your phone in the basket, but I'm going to have the best food, and we're going to do these really cool things. We're Mm going to go tubing on the boat. We're going to have a really good time. Everybody's phone goes in the basket. Like, you can take that on as a parent, and I just think it's been decades of cowardice. Like no one is standing up to say, look, I'm going to lead in this. And I think what happened, Sean, and, and this is maybe one of the big differences is that we have this unfair advantage, right? As an adult, I have this advantage of, and maybe it's not an advantage, it's probably the wrong word, but I have this experience of knowing what analog life is like, of how deep relationships can be, how fun. And so I don't have this pressure of texting back and I don't have the pressure because nobody cares, right? Like we lived differently. So I don't have to know the Snapchat rules, right? I get to live in this different way, but you don't. So I think it's so important for adults to like understand kids have to have analog. They have to have an opportunity to have analog experiences digitally. How did you say it? Digitally clean space. Mm -hmm. And the only way that they're going to get that is if the adult steps in. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's the only way for an eight-year-old. The only way is if that club says no DS is allowed here. Yep. That's the only way. And so I think we have had decades and, and some misguided parents are overwhelmed. I get all of that. I think for a long time, we didn't quite realize how bad it was. But look, that social dilemma thing has been out for a long time. People, we know, mm-hmm. we know now. And so parents, it's the adults that have to step in. And if you have a kid that's 16, 17, 18 year old, like you were, that 
has enough courage to step out and to be a leader, you really can change mm-hmm. so much because that permeates, that definitely ripples out. People notice. There's a book called Playborhood by a man named Mike Lanza, and he talks about kind of like what you were talking about, Sean, like how the neighborhood isn't enticing anymore because there's no kids out there. And so there's nothing that is more enticing than our screens anymore. That's the social wasteland like you're talking about. And so what we have to do is we have to be intentional about making real life enticing Mm -hmm. for kids again. And it's so important. So Sean, I think that people need to come back to what you're doing you know, on a regular basis in order to be reminded of how serious it is. So people can find you. You have a website, Mm thereconnectmovement.com, and you're on social media. If people are there, they're already there, they can find you there. You have this fantastic video. I'll link that like you talked about. It's a 10-minute video. I'll link it. And I agree with you. I think actually if you have teenagers, that video is probably a really good jumping off point. Yeah. Like a good conversation topic. Like watch the video together. It's 10 minutes. So I'll link that in the show notes. Yes. Then you also have your own podcast that you just started. The Reconnect Podcast. You have over 15 episodes. So give us just a little snippet about a couple of the types of things that you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. So um, on the podcast, we discuss like, so I, I have a cool opportunity to talk to people and show you other kids talking about the social wasteland, essentially, of they understand how Snapchat plays into social life and and things like that. And we we discuss uh, addiction to social media apps and what Reconnect could do for our generation. And yeah, I think the Pachaka Shaw, though, the Pachaka Shaw talk where I talk about, I basically lay out a kid's experience with social media. And I think that would be the perfect jumping off point for parents to either show their kid or watch with their kid because it will hit for your kid. Your kid will feel that. Mm -hmm. And it will create opportunities to have different conversations about what we could be doing because we all contribute. We all are contributing to this. We all play a role and it really matters. I think that that's what the video shows and hopefully this conversation shows that it matters probably more than we even realize. And your podcast has all these different episodes like how social media is contributing to social anxiety. You talked about one of your reconnect hikes. What was that like? Mm -hmm. And you're talking about fubbing. I I never even heard that term, I guess, fubbing. Well, I think it was coined by our guest that day. So she was doing um, research for her PhD essay on how phones impact um, romantic relationships. And fubbing is a term that is used for like, if you ever are choosing your device over interaction with your partner or, or, you know, or kid or, or, or even parent. And it's not necessarily that you're like choosing it. It's just, you are on your phone instead of your partner and they could take that as like oh they don't they don't want me they'd prefer their phone especially kids yeah you you even go through dating my brothers talked about how like the tinder like the swipe that it makes you think like oh what oh this person doesn't like peas whatever there's someone else out there i can just swipe through so you talk through that and even I tell you what, when I was teaching, kids were having intimate relationships as middle schoolers and videotaping it and sending it to all their classmates. So those types of things are going on too. So parents need to be aware. I mean, that, like you said, it lasts forever. You say moments are meant to evaporate, but now anything can be captured and made permanent. This creates an unsustainable level of anxiety and unnatural pressure. So Sean, what you're doing is so unbelievably important and 
this is a really good place for parents to come and to be educated educated by you because we need to be educated by those who are younger than us who are going through it to know exactly to kind of know what's going on and we will never know right but to kind of have an idea of what we can do so sean we always end our podcast with the same question the question is what's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside oh man um it's gonna have to be one day i um i was we were i was driving home from my uh, from errands with my mom and we had this uh this huge sun shower go over so just like a flash of like you know it's still light out but there's like all these basically heavy rain for like five minutes will just come out of nowhere and we got out of the car and i had i had never expected this but my mom just like took her shoes off and just started like running around in the in the like in the front yard and then she was like come on and then we just ran around and like jumped in puddles and we like you know like ran in the rain and i was just like we can do this mom mom can do this we can run in the rain and just get all wet and i was and it was just like it was so much fun i was just like so shocked that it was like i was getting the go ahead to just run around in the rain um and uh it's probably one of my favorite memories I love that, Sean. What an awesome moment of freedom and connection <laughs> and connection to the to the people around us, but also to the earth and to our world. So, yeah. Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for educating the older generation of what's going on and how serious it is and how we need to really be paying attention. So uh, I can't wait to stay connected over the years and to see what happens with Reconnect. I know it's spreading to other college campuses. And so really um, awesome work that you're doing, Sean. Yeah, thank you so much for allowing me to share my message with parents. Parents play a, a pivotal role in this movement. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.